Okay, so we're gonna try this again. Um, good a- good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you happen to be listening to this. Welcome in to Nick's Movie Picks, um, where I'll be doing a segment based on a movie that I got to see or a few movies that I got to see over the week, giving you reviews, whether you've seen it or not, whether it's a good idea to go see it or not. Um, it's just something that I enjoy doing. I am your host, Nick Briquette. As always, I appreciate your time and your ear. I really do. Um, leave me a comment in the section below, uh, or, or leave me comments on social media. Go and subscribe. Um, rate on iTunes. Just want to see if this is, this is going to be the first one. So welcome in. It's the first one. I have no idea what on earth I'm doing, but I'm just going to go try it and you guys will be there as I stumble along trying to figure out how to get my voice talking about movies. Um, This is what I'll be doing during the off season as well as bringing you some football news and whatnot. But I will forewarn you, this is all about movies. So if you have no interest in movies, don't listen to this. Otherwise, um, listen up. We've got four movies we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about The Greatest Showman. We're going to be talking about 12 Strong. I'll be talking about The Darkest Hour, or just Darkest Hour. Oh no, wait, I'll talk about The Maze Runner. Ah, The Death Cure, which is the third installment of The Maze Runner. And I will also be talking about uh, The Darkest Hour. So it'll go in that succession, so that way you know. If you, if you want to skip, then you can skip. So, okay, you know, again, Greatest Showman, 12 Strong, Death Cure, the third installment of The Maze Runner and darkest hour so as always i appreciate your attention follow me at, on instagram twitter snapchat at n that's n-p-r-i-q-u-e-t-t-e um yeah so here we go so you may be sitting there wondering why in the world i have a goat as a sound before this segment And I will tell you right now, the greatest showman in my humble, personal, egotistical, blessed opinion is the greatest musical of all time. So it is the GOAT, the G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time. And I will go through and I will explain to you multiple reasons why. But without further ado... The Greatest Showman is the story of P.T. Barnum. It stars uh, Hugh Jackman, Michelle Williams, Zac Efron, Zendaya, and newcomer Kayala Settle. We follow the life of P.T. Barnum, starting out as a young, poor tailor's boy, to his triumph of being the greatest showman, to his downfall of losing everything, and then to his resurrection like a phoenix out of the ashes literally to becoming again to 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 making himself even better and more powerful and more popular but through this the reason why i believe that this movie this musical is the greatest of all time is throughout the story there are multiple songs that are pushing certain morals and and certain ideas and certain feelings about things that we all hold true but we may not remind ourselves of it and so we're going to go over some of those morals and then I'll do another segment that will go over the rest and give you the closing but through the songs through the morals like the, the connection of the songs with the morals and the connection of the songs and the morals and the story, just how it's all interwoven is the reason why I can say that this is the greatest of all time. So without any further ado, <clears throat> the first moral we end up seeing is that dreams can come true if you work for them, if you work hard for them. So when P.T. Barnum is a young boy young poor Taylor's son his father ends up dying he ends up out on the street he's fallen in love with this rich girl this upper class girl who also has a love for him 
and through this song, <clears throat> A Million Dreams, we see him wanting to make life better for himself and for her, wanting to be something better than just a poor Taylor's son, something bigger than just a poor Taylor's son. And ultimately, through the movie, we see him become what he is wanting to be. So this idea of dream and pursue, dream and work hard for your dreams, and you can become that. Also, the next one was this idea that if you're different, this is this is more focused on the circus performers, also known as circus freaks in this movie. The circus performers all have different attributes. Some of them have beards if they're women, some of them have tattoos everywhere, some of them are really massive, you know, huge fat people. And there's this idea, this moral that's that's being shown that if you are unique or if you are different, that is not something to apologize for. It is something to be celebrated. And there's a there's a a, a call, a, a an anthem in this song, This Is Me, that praises being different, praises being out there, praises not caring what anybody else thinks, not caring about how society wants to treat you. And so this song itself is is just mind-blowing just the choreography and the music like it starts off sad and slow and and hurtful and depressing and then it comes out with with a march and it comes out with a beating and it comes out with a a triumphal just joyous sound that you you see the celebration you see the hurt and then the celebration for the difference So welcome into part two. Of course, I had to put the goat sound in between just for y'all. And so the continuing talk of The Greatest Showman and the morals that we can see through the movie. The next one is this idea that love sees no color. And we see that with Zac Efron's character and Zendaya's character falling in love with each other, having this romantic song of rewriting the stars, meaning rewriting destiny, changing destiny, even though he being a white guy from an upper class family and her being a dark or black girl from a lower class family and them falling for each other when the the stars would never ever let that happen apparently or destiny would never let that happen and them fighting through that and them wanting to fight that in order to be together, in order to love each other. Again, just the morals, the, the morals, the story, the songs, the choreography, just all of it mixed together makes this movie so amazing. And then the last one that we really end up seeing is fame can actually hurt you. Fame can be blinding, which we all know, we all hear it. But when P.T. Barnum goes off with Jenny Lind and and ends up, you know, losing his family because uh, he's been too caught up, losing his friends, losing the people who are in the circus with him, losing them, and him coming to the realization that what he's always wanted, even though he's wanted to get rich and have popular and famous people look at him, what he's always wanted was to belong and to have a family and to have love. And he's gotten that from the people who are in the circus with him and from his family. And so we see that in the song from now on, he's reconciling himself to his wife and children, reconciling himself to his friends in the circus, reconciling himself. And, and even though the circus burns down, and even though that, that you know, there was just some bad stuff that happened, losing money and whatnot, we come to find out that he is able to rise back up like a phoenix out of the ashes to become the greatest showman. This movie, to start out with, like I was not 
looking for very much. I was not going into it thinking I was going to be impressed. And a lot of that had to do with Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of that had to do with another podcast saying it was bad. But after watching it, and especially when it started with The Greatest Show, that, that, that song, that number, The Greatest Show, I didn't think it was going to go up from there. But it really did. It definitely exceeded my expectations. I, again, just to be known as the greatest, like in my mind, to be known as the greatest musical of all time, you have to exceed my expectations by a lot, and they did. The, the reason why. So this song, this, this show, there was one song, it was Tightrope by Michelle Williams. I think that song, you could just get rid of it and never have it again. But the rest of them, the way that they were laced into the story and laced into the morals of the story... And the emotion behind them, that's what sold me on it. You have these other ones like Fiddler on the Roof and Sound of Music and Les Mis where some of the songs you're like, I don't understand why that song is in there. That's so stupid. The great thing about this movie is this movie has songs specifically designed to push the story along and to push the morals of the story along. So... You gotta go see this movie. This is such an amazing movie. It's so well done. Again, I know it's crazy for me to say this, but I really do think that this movie is the greatest musical of all time. I can't say it's the greatest movie of all time, because I, I, I think that there are some other ones out there, but absolutely 100% the greatest musical of all time. Um, I hope you get a chance to go see it. It's great for families. It's great for children. Such a good movie to just go and enjoy and to um, share with other people. So get out there. Go see it. Let me know what you think about it. Uh, You can send me messages on Twitter or Instagram. um, Or leave it in the comments uh, whenever you rate the show. Now for a slightly more, I guess, not, not necessarily feel-good-inside kind of movie. Although the, the ending of the movie um, did have a good ending, but just, just the ideas and, and what it portrayed. Um, we're gonna do the re- I'm going to do the review of 12 Strong, um, a movie about the first Special Forces team, actually the, basically the first... American military action done in Afghanistan following the attacks of 9-11. And one, one of the things, so it's starring Chris Hemsworth, Michael Shannon, Michael Pena. It also has Rob Riggle and William Fitchner in it. Um, and this movie is basically, movies, war movies are starting to get to a point. I'll tell you this right now. My mom does not like war movies at all. But my dad, having been a veteran, is very interested in them and loves them. Um, he and I have a, have a fondness for a band of brothers um, that I think because of just being, for him, having been there, for me, having not been there, but being able to see certain portrayals of emotions and, and what goes on. Because when you think about war, you don't actually think... You're just like, okay, that's in a different land that has nothing to do with me, and especially if you've never been there. And so for me, one of the things that movies have done, and even shows, they've become more emotional about it, and more specific about the portrayal of what happens during wartime, what happens with friends and family, what happens when we go off to war, or when friends of ours or family of ours go off to war, or even citizens of this country go off to war. And that's what 12 Strong is really all about, seeing the complexities of a family that is torn apart because the husband goes off to war. We don't see any women going off to war, not in this particular one, but there are plenty out there that I'm sure, and, and that would definitely be make for a very interesting movie, but seeing the husband go off to war and leaving his wife and children and how some families are incredibly supportive but also some families absolutely hate it. And just being able to see the emotions that are there 
also being able to see how these guys are able to cope with being family in the military unit, in their unit, that that unit is their family away from family. That being said, this movie follows 12 men going into Afghanistan uh, and, and being the first ones to start attacking the Taliban. And led by Chris Hemsworth, who plays a captain who has never gone into war. And it causes a lot of issues and a lot of challenges, but also being able to see how the certain things, like without, basically the premise of the whole movie is this kind of idea that when you try to fix something in the short term, it could ruin it in the long term. Also, that, that's like one moral we get from it. Another moral that we hear, especially when the uh, Afghani general uh, of one of the tribes is talking to the captain, the American captain. He says that Americans, we as Americans have a life here and it's great and we don't really look to the afterlife. It's better than what we expect in the afterlife. But the Taliban, they, the ones fighting, have something to look forward to because this life isn't great. It doesn't, it's not good, but paradise and riches and, and happiness and joy come in the afterlife. So there's that dichotomy of who, what are you fighting for? Are you fighting to live here or fighting to die and go to the afterlife? And so this movie, like, definitely not, not your, like, Sunday morning, like, or Sunday afternoon, like, yay, let's go to the movies, have fun. But definitely something that brings a lot of emotion and, and can continue to grow our minds and our ideas towards what it's like to be a military person. So obviously I'm going to sit there and say go watch it. Um, but obviously it's rated R, so definitely don't go with the children or anything like that. A lot of language, a lot of violence. But I think it's something that people need to see and have an idea about. So moving on to the next. Hey, so welcome in to my review of, or my intro to my review of The Maze Runner, The Death Cure. So here's, here's the mentality that I want you to understand. I'm going to, here, here's the breakdown of what's going to happen. I am going to take time to go over what has happened previously in other Maze Runner movies. This is based on a book series called The Maze Runner, The Scores Trials, and The Death Cure. And I haven't read it, so I can't like vouch for anything. But if the movies are even a glimmer of how good the books are, I think that they are definitely going to be worth reading. And I definitely will probably be taking some time out of my trip because I'll be traveling to China in a week or less than a week now. And I'll be traveling there and I will definitely be taking time to read and to get some ideas from those books and see how well the movies match up to those. That being said, so I'll give you the, the brief synopsis of what happened in the previous two movies. That'll be five minutes. And then I'm going to give you probably 10 minutes of review, 10 minutes of you know what's, what's going on and, and different things in that movie. Um, if you haven't watched the first two movies, you are very slow and you need to get your butt on that. But... The idea, it, it, it was amazing because originally it was, Maze Runner came out a year later, the Scorch Trials came out, and then it was supposed to be a year later when <clears throat> the death, death Cure came out. However, there were some issues with production where uh, the main character, Thomas, played by Dylan O'Brien, actually ended up, Dylan O'Brien actually ended up getting hurt and having some serious issues, uh, like, not just being like with his face and, and having been in an accident and being hit by another oncoming vehicle. So there were definitely some issues there, but he has survived and they have um, like, and not only that, but I mean, doesn't look like he's really changed that much. It uh, doesn't look like there were any issues with his face, but so that is definitely a huge blessing, not just for him personally, but also for us as fans of the movie or the show. Anyway, um, also, there will be spoilers throughout this. So if you have not seen The Death Cure, do not listen. Like I'll give you little breaks 
and I'll tell you, you know, I'll, I'll forewarn you again. I'll get, go over the synopsis of what happened in the first two movies. And then whenever I go over the review, I will let you know, hey, this is where the spoilers are coming. Do not listen here. If you listen here, you are going to know what goes on in the entire movie. But that being said, um, enjoy the show or enjoy the, the podcast. Um, I've taken some time out uh, because I really enjoyed this movie and I really enjoyed this series as a whole. I enjoy kind of like the dystopian uh, mindsets and stuff like that of like the Hunger Games of that's pretty much the only one that I really know of. I know the Insurgent ones, but I haven't watched any of those movies and don't really have any interest in them. And, you know, and that may be because I'm more inclined to be with that's not true. Like Dylan O'Brien, I didn't know who Dylan O'Brien was, but the Insurgent, I guess I just wasn't really that caught up in the, the trailers. Like their, their trailers didn't really suck me in as much as the Maze Runner and that whole series sucked me in. So anyway, without any further ado, I'm going to go over again, the synopsis of the first two movies leading into the death cure. So basically I have five minutes to give you a breakdown of the Maze Runner and the Scorched Trials. So here goes. Um, in this, in these series of movies, we find that there has been a catastrophe, a major catastrophe across the entire world. Scorch, scorching of the sun that has caused the upper, like certain parts of our, most of the world to be uninhabitable, uh, or not just like desert basically. And that, um, there has also been a disease which has created zombies known as cranks in this, in this series. And these cranks are starting, the disease is starting to take over the world. Like people are just not being, um, they, they, they can't find a cure. They do find that there is an immunity in young people. And so this group called the World Catastrophe Kill Zone Department, also known as Wicked, is they are recruiting and taking these kids and putting them in trials, in mazes, to see if they can, these immune kids, to see if they can produce some fighters and, and be able to see how well they can fight in the world, like even though it's in a maze and it's just really strange and stuff like that, but how well they can do to survive. That's the biggest key. And so in the Maze Runner, we see a group of people we meet Tom, or we meet Newt, and we meet Galley, we meet Alby, we meet Fry, we meet Chuck, we meet a lot of people who, um, you know, are very important and essential to the movie. That being said, basically we find Thomas who comes out and uh, he he gets put into the glade. Again, none of them really remember anything that happened. And so Thomas um, originally worked for Wicked, is what we find out, and he was feeling very bad about these kids, his friends, being destroyed or killed and and not being able to get away out of the maze. So that being said, uh, Thomas then finds a way to be added into the maze, and then um, another Wicked worker, Teresa, comes back, or she comes in, and with her, they end up going through the maze. They figure out a way to get out. And, um, you know, even though there's a lot of... So basically we see almost a lot of people get out. A lot of the kids get out. But then at the very end of the movie, um, Gally, who was one of the characters um, in very essential to the first movie, Gally ends up killing Chuck, who was one of those like heartfelt, like emotional connections that Thomas had and that we had as the audience. And so we're connected to Chuck because Chuck and Thomas had some very intimate moments of, of talking together about life, about family, about what they remember. And so Gally ends up killing Chuck, not intentionally because Gally had been stung by one of the grievers, which are these scary monsters that are in the maze, a part of the maze. And so you've been stung by one of them. They go crazy when you get stung. And then you do things that you shouldn't be doing. And one of those is having a gun and, or being able to find a gun in the area that where they had escaped. 
finding the gun and trying to shoot Thomas, but Chuck saves Thomas by diving, getting in front of the bullet and dying for Thomas. And just this heartbreaking scene at the end of that one. I'm not going to be able to finish uh, the Scorch Trials in this one. So this is going to be the Maze Runner like synopsis. So Chuck ends up dying. We see people coming in that don't seem to be wicked, don't seem to be marked as wicked. They come in and they're taking the kids out. It seems like wicked. It seems like the doctor that had put them in, Ava Page, it seems like she is dead and has been killed by a resistance. However, at the very end of the movie, we see Ava Page is not dead. Instead, they are going into quote-unquote phase two of what they are planning to do with these kids who have survived the maze and have come out who are immune to this flare disease. This is the disease that creates the cranks. They are immune. They have survived. And now they're going into phase two of their operation. And then we get the Scorch Trials. So next up, we have The Scorch Trials. Now, The Scorch Trials are your typical second movie in a trilogy, just kind of there, very similar to Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Like, you must have it, but it's not going to be as powerful and as emotional and as bombastic and as popular as the first and the third one. The third one ultimately is always going to be the one that, that typically just takes, takes the cake. But the first one is always exciting because it's like, oh, it's the first one. Second one's like, here's the storyline. We kind of have to give it to you. And then we can move on to the next round. And so that's kind of how Scorch Trials is. You can see it with the ratings on IMDb where fans have given it stars. It's like 6.8 for the first movie, 6.3 for the Scorch Trials. And then right now, at least last time I looked at it, uh, the Death Cure was at 7.1, so which is typical for a trilogy, one that is actually built as a trilogy. And so that being said, what ends up happening, what we end up seeing is in the Scorch Trials, this is the second phase of Wicked's plan to figure out a way to get a cure for the flare because the flare is this disease that is running rampant, creating zombies known as cranks. And so that being the case, they are starting to use these kids and they're putting them into this this compound and a lot of people think okay or a lot of the kids are thinking okay this is where they need to be you know and in order to take on the next stage is the exciting part but what actually ends up happening is wicked is taking the, taking them and using them to they're, 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 um, they're draining them of like brain fluid and body fluid and blood, you know, but using, not, not killing them, but putting them in this vegetative state where they can constantly be taking just bodily fluids basically from the, the kids who are immune and taking it and testing it and seeing if they have a cure, if they can develop a cure using these kids, um, fluids like blood and brain tissue and stuff like that so um thomas uh joins up with this kid named eris a uh, new kid uh and ends up taking off and finding out this information sees that ava page is alive and what they end up doing is they end up eventually escaping the compound with newt fry eris um they join up with the forces of Jorge and Brenda in an attempt to get to what is called the right hand who are supposed to be against Wicked and trying to get the kids to safety and trying to get new kids. They finally get to the right hand, but then we come to find out that Teresa, when she was in this compound, had all of a sudden been awoken to what she had forgotten. Teresa was the girl, the only girl that was in the glade, and she wakes up to what she had forgotten and realizes her mission is to try and find a cure and that's the reason she went back in so she ends up calling wicked at the very end of this movie she ends up calling wicked wicked ends up coming in and just finding these kids like these immunes like all of them finds them and starts to capture them and get them and stuff well then ultimately what ends up happening is they don't get all of the kids. Actually, they, they only get a couple of them. So Teresa leaves with Wicked. We, we have this character, Jensen, who's just, just not the nicest dude. 
Um, such a great actor plays him. Um, but we end up getting, you know, they end up getting Minho, who's a very important character, and I totally forgot to mention him, but we've been with Minho. He was the original Maze Runner before, um, before Thomas became one. And so when that happens is they take Minho, they go with Teresa, everybody else is able to escape. But with Thomas, Thomas wants to go and get Minho and wants to go and bring him back in spite of what Victor, who is the leader of the Red, the right hand, in spite of what he wants, or Vince, I'm sorry, Vince, in spite of what he wants to do. So then we end with Minho being taken, Teresa going with Wicked, and this battle of how do we get Minho from the hands, from the clutches of Wicked. And so that leads into the death cure. So here we come to the part in the show where I'm going to tell you there are going to be spoilers. I'm going to do probably two parts. So if you're listening on iTunes, you're just going to want to try and skip ahead anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes. So try 10. If I'm still talking about the death, death cure, then skip another five because it's probably going to take up 10 to 15 minutes of my time to explain this. And so uh, that being said, if you're listening on Anchor, you can just swipe past the segments until you see where it says, you know, that it's no longer the death care. Anyway, that being said, the death care opens up with a really powerful scene, uh, really like definitely made for the theaters. And it's a rescue mission because when Minho at the end of last last movie, Minho was taken, they are going in to do a rescue mission. Now, there's a lot of chase, there's a train, there's a helicopter or a uh, jet helicopter thingy that Wicked has, um, a couple vehicles chasing the train, all sorts of fun stuff going on with that. And so um, the only one of the biggest problems that I have with it is they end up detaching the, the kids. There's a bunch of different um, kids that they have uh, on this train that Wicked has on this train. What they end up is detaching all of them, and the train keeps going, but then it stops, and the henchmen come out and start running and shooting and trying to get them. This is this is a rescue mission for Minho, and apparently what had been designed was to be able to use the helicopter of the Wicked to be able to capture it, which they do, and to use it to escape. The problem I have is why didn't they use the guns that were on this ship? to shoot at the henchmen and ultimately be able to save all of the kids, including Minho. And the biggest reason why is because that would have ended the movie immediately. So, fast forward. They don't get Minho. They miss Minho. And so what they do is they bring all the kids that they do find, get, it, get them to what is like the beach, which is where they are working on a ship to take them to the safe haven to get them away from Wicked and to get them to a nice place. However, Minho's not there, so instead, Thomas Newton Fry decide they're going to take off and go and try and get him, go into this city that is created by Wicked and get them, you know, go in and get Minho. Now, they leave, there's the cliche, they're driving, they're being attacked by these zombies known as Cranks, and they do... The, the, the point where the, they lose the car, they flip the car at the most inopportune moment, you know, in the middle of a tunnel with cranks running down on them. They're running, they're shooting, they're trying to get away from the cranks, and then the next cliche of being saved by, at the last minute, being saved at the last minute is uh, brought in when Brenda and Jorge come in to save them. And so... Fast forward, they go to this city, which is a really nice city, developed by Wicked. They have these high walls, and it's just a city that they have saved and that they have plenty of people in, but they're also keeping a lot of people out. And so what we find out is there's a resistance. And as a part of this resistance, we find all of a sudden, huge uh, spoiler alert right here, is that Gally, who originally... Uh, was in the first movie, who we all thought after he killed Chuck was killed by Minho, uh, because Minho did throw a spear at him and got him, and um, which later on is made reference to when when uh, Minho says, "Hey, I, I thought I killed you," and Gally's like, "Well, we we're not all perfect," and so uh, which is a little funny thing, but anyway, 
So we see that Galley is alive and um, has saved Thomas and the group from being captured by Wicked outside of the city's gate. And so then, uh, again, we get this resistance. And maybe the resistance was kind of pointless to have in the story, but they do serve later on uh, to the storyline. And we also find out at this resistance that Newt is actually not immune, where everybody thought that all the kids that were in the Glade were immune. We find out Newt is not immune and that he is actually infected. He, it's not that he got scratched or anything like I had originally thought. It actually is that he is just developing the disease. And so that will lead into, you know, we'll, we'll go into the second part. So just stay tuned for the next one. Okay, so... After we find out that news is infected, um, Galley ends up showing that uh, that's my that's my my buddy Keener, the dog, coming in hearing hearing me talking and wanting attention. Uh, so we see that Galley wants to use Thomas to get Teresa to get them into Wicked's compound, and Wicked's compound is incredibly hard. But you know, and they do they do say that they can get in, but Thomas would have to use his relationship and his power over Teresa in order to get in and to be able to get Minho. Now, Teresa keeps on telling herself and keeps trying to explain to herself that what she is doing as far as torturing Minho, which is what's going on and using his brain cells and his blood and to, to be able to find a cure, that she's doing it for that reason is to find a cure. And, and ultimately, it does bring up this question of, is it okay? And it's a very interesting moral to the story is, is it okay to sacrifice one for the better of the many? And this is always like a, just a life, you know, debate and just everything, you know, is it okay to sacrifice one to save the many? But moving on. So Teresa keeps trying this. She finds out that maybe Minho is helping and she goes and tries to tell him because there's this girl who they end up like, she's doing better. So she goes and she tells Minho and Minho freaks out and starts, you know, going crazy. And then come to find out after Teresa leaves him that uh, the cure did not work. That the girl is just going back. Now, they, they get into the compound and they start to get everybody out. And they find Minho. Now, the issue that I'm about to explain is all of a sudden Minho has so much power and so much energy when we've seen him, like, with nothing. And I don't know how that is possible. I mean, you can say maybe it was, maybe it had something to do with adrenaline. Maybe it had something to do with his ability to escape. I'm not sure. But all of a sudden, Minho has all the power to run as fast as possible, to attack the doctors that are keeping him tied up. And so we end up finding out that there's, you know, all of a sudden he's, he's good to go. And so he can get up and run. And so he ends up finding Newt and Thomas in the compound. And they all end up running out together. Um... Then we find out that Newt gets worse. As they're trying to escape the city, the resistance blows up the city wall and starts to come in the city wall and starts to attack Wicked and their forces uh, inside the city wall. And there's just so much carnage and explosions and things like that. Um, but Newt and Galley and Minho and Thomas are all trying to get out. Brenda came in and helped them uh, and Fry, uh, Brenda came in, helped them get the kids that were trapped inside the compound, helped to get them out onto a bus. Fry then uses a crane, lifts them up, and drops them over the city wall. So great, awesome, wonderful, fantastic. Then we see Newt is getting worse and worse as the disease starts to take over. And they end up sending Minho and Galley ahead to try and get the serum, to try and get the cure that they had taken out of the compound in order to help Newt. But then what ends up happening is, is um, as Thomas is carrying Newt, we hear Teresa's voice telling her because, or, or Teresa earlier on sees that Brenda is still alive. And Brenda had been bitten by um, one of the cranks in the Scorch Trials in the second movie. And there was a doctor at the right hand that was able to use Thomas's blood to create a serum come to find out Brenda is still alive when she should have been dead or become a crank and so Teresa finds this out and ends up stealing some cloth some gauze that has Thomas's blood in order to attempt to see if Thomas's blood is different than the other immune's blood 
and she does find out. She finds out that Thomas, Thomas's blood actually is a cure in and of itself, not necessarily a, you know, just something to, to keep it at bay as where most of the other immune's blood would just be used to keep the disease at bay. And so Brenda's alive. Teresa finds out that Thomas's blood can cure the disease. And we see in this, in this scene where Thomas and Newt, Newt is turning into a crank and they're fighting. And we hear Teresa's voice saying, hey, Thomas, come back. There's something about your blood that can cure Newt. It can help Newt. And so then we move on to the next part. So immediately after Thomas, or Thomas hears Teresa, we see that Newt, Stands up like Thomas had to drop him. We see that Newt stands up and all of a sudden he's a crank, but not fully a crank because there are times. So he and Thomas start to fight and there are times where Newt is able to pull himself out of being a crank and and apologize to Thomas and tell him to, to leave him or tell him to kill him or tell him to do something. And so then, you know, Thomas is like, no, like they're they're going to get the serum for you. And so there's this huge fight between them. Um, and what ends up happening is, is Newt ends up pulling a knife and ends up swinging it at Thomas. Well, then, huge spoiler alert, they get within close range of each other and we hear, it looks like Newt goes to stab Thomas and we hear what sounds like someone being stabbed. And we pull back and we see that Newt has the knife in his chest. And so, therefore, has, has ended up killing himself um, or possibly was deflected into his chest. And at that point, Brenda comes and she's got the serum and she sees Thomas crying over Newt. And she sees Thomas get up and walk away, going back to the Wicked Compound to, to go and see if his blood actually is the cure to the disease because of the fact that it could have saved Newt. And we see this emotional like toil that's going on with him as he leaves. And we see it going on with Brenda as she's crying about it. And then Minho and Gally and uh, maybe Fry, yeah, possibly Fry, come and see that. But especially Minho and Gally come and see that Newt is dead. So Newt does not make it, unfortunately. That being said, so Thomas gets to the compound and he sees Ava Page is there. They're talking. They're explaining things then all of a sudden we hear a gunshot and Ava Page is shot by Jansen and Jansen is such a dick he is just the meanest person possible and because of that so Jansen ends up drugging um Thomas and straps him and Jansen apparently just wants to keep Thomas on retainer in order to have the cure but also to be able to sell the cure I believe to make a good profit Teresa then helps him escape. Now, Teresa, we see, is, is excited about having Thomas as the cure, and she helps Thomas escape. They get to the top of the building. There's carnage and destruction going on all around them because of the resistance that's going against Wicked. And as we're there, we see she has the, the serum with Thomas's blood. Thomas has been shot by Jansen. Yes, okay, by, yeah, by accident. And, and Jensen does eventually die. Like, he ends up getting eaten by Cranks, which is really an awesome scene, just personally, because nobody ever likes Jensen. But anyway, um, he plays such a good, bad character. And um, so they get up to the top of Wicked, you know, the top of the building, and they're there, and there's this, this moment where you think, okay, this is the end. Like, Thomas is going to die, so... And then Teresa is going to die. The serum is going to die with them. So the flare is always going to be around. And there's never going to be a cure developed. And then, and you know, it's just, just the cliche, like, this is the end. But then also the cliche of, you know that they're going to be saved. Or someone's going, you know, someone's going to come and save them. And they do. They bring the helicopter. They're there. And they're trying to get them on. Well, Teresa ends up somehow with all of her strength ends up throwing Thomas onto the back and but doesn't make it herself because there was this, just a stupid thing where the building next to her ends up blowing up and ends up falling on the building that she's on there was plenty of time for her to be able to run jump and catch somebody's hand but she never did it I don't know why either because it was really poor writing 
Or maybe it was this understanding that she needed to die because of her treacherous ways against everybody, tra being a traitor to everybody. So then fast forward and we see Thomas is fine. He survives. They're on the island. They're at the safe haven. He gets this beautiful letter by Newt talking about always following him no matter what just because of, of his, Thomas's character. And then at the very end, we see Thomas walking along the beach and looking out at the boat. And you're left with this possibility of, do they stay there and just keep themselves safe? Or will they go out and use the serum to cure the people who have the disease? Great movie. Go watch it. It's worth your time. So welcome in. This is the final review, at least for this episode. And this is about the darkest hour. Um, quick synopsis. Uh, follows the rise of Winston Churchill during World War II to become the Prime Minister of England. And the different choices he made at the beginning of the war for England in order to pave the way for him to, or for, for, for England and for the Allies to ultimately win World War II. Gary Oldman plays Winston Churchill and does a fantastic job. We get to see that Winston Churchill has always wanted to be Prime Minister since he was a babe. That he went through a lot of problems trying to get to that position. And even when he did get that position, it was because the opposition, uh, the other party in the, in the parliament, uh, liked him more than anybody else that they could have chosen. Because Neville Chamberlain was being told that he wasn't sufficient enough. He was great for peacetime, but now that it was wartime, he needed to step down. So he did step down and they offered up Winston Churchill. Now, According to what we've what we were able to see, the, the king wanted a man named Halifax. They even offered it. The entire party was voting for Halifax. Halifax apparently did not want it because he realized that he wouldn't have been able to get it because the opposition, the other party, would not have allowed him to be prime minister. So they figured, why not make it with Churchill? And if Churchill screws it up, then they would be able to get Halifax in easier, I guess, in essence. And so we go through this moment where there's, throughout this entire first part, and it's the first part of World War II, not necessarily in the other parts, but we see where Winston Churchill makes decisions that most people don't want him to make, like allowing one company, battle company to draw the fire of the Germans away from Dunkirk and to evacuate Dunkirk and get everybody off of Dunkirk, which is a movie that I would be very interested in seeing by Christopher Nolan, a movie called Dunkirk. Um, but you, you don't really get to see too much into the battle, but you get to see the behind the scenes and the choices that Winston Churchill made in the sense of losing 4,000 men at Calais in order to save 300,000 men at Dunkirk. And so the decisions made in wartime to sacrifice here in order to save here. It's kind of interesting that that happens, especially after me talking about the death care, uh, about sacrificing one to save many. Uh, so the sacrifice of 4,000 to save 300,000. And many people judged him, and he was at this point where it was, he, he, he wasn't sure if he needed to make peace with Hitler or if he just needed to go and battle him to fight against him and finally the king comes and, and tells Winston that he was against him but now he is for him and he wants him to fight. He said if anything go and ask the people. So we see Winston Churchill completely disappear uh, or he, he doesn't disappear but he gets away from his bodyguards and goes into the tube which is London's subway system and he goes and he gets to meet with Londoners gets to talk with him and meet with him and he says, what do you think we should do? Should we go and get peace or should we continue fighting? And they were all for fighting. And 
so there's this moment where he realizes what he was fighting for, what he was going for, being against the peace treaty with Hitler, was the correct decision amongst him, along with other Londoners, that other, the, the, other, the citizens of London were with him. And so we see that he stands up in front of Parliament near the end and explains that they are going to fight, that there will be no peace treaty, that there will be no peace. And we see Neville Chamberlain, who originally was against Winston Churchill, all of a sudden shows his support to the chagrin of Halifax, to the anger and disappointment of Halifax. So very interesting movie, very fascinating. Um, definitely a lot of Academy Award attention. Uh, so I would say you can go see it if you're interested in war movies. If you want to go to the movie theater for fun stuff, don't go see this. Like it's not, it, it's more of an analytical thing. So anyway, thanks for listening. Oh, thank you. So I wanted to end this episode, which is filled with different segments, with a simple thank you. Um, I appreciate you listening if you have listened all the way through. I'm trying this new. Um, I'm going to try and get more segments out there, more episodes out there, and less time because this one took up anywhere, from, I'm pretty sure, like 30 minutes, solid 30 minutes. So if you have listened all the way through, I thank you very much because that, that means that you're interested in what I have to say and that means a lot to me. Um, that being said, if you're not following me already, uh, follow me on uh, Snapchat, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Actually, Instagram and Twitter are going to be the ones that are most popular, most, um, uh, uh, most involved with. Snapchat, not so much. I need to do a little bit better in that. But I am at NPriquette. I said this at the beginning. It's N-P-R-I-Q-U-E-T-T-E. Um, and again, I'm honored and humbled to have you here. I appreciate it. Comment with me. Dialogue with me. Like I would love to hear your thoughts on these movies. If you've seen them, it, what you think of them. Um, the Greatest Showman, do you think it is the greatest? Do you disagree with me that it's the greatest musical or not? You know, do you think that 12 Strong was worth the time? Do you, do you enjoy seeing the battles? Or are you more of a Darkest Hour kind of person where you like to see the behind the scenes? And then, of course, the Maze Runner series, being able to watch that. If you haven't, go see it. If you have seen it, then dialogue with me. Let me know. Anyway, again... I appreciate it, and as always, I'm your humble host, well, somewhat humble, not always humble host, uh, Nick Friquet, and until next time, thank you so much. Oh, by the way, I do know that this is drastically different, a drastic curveball from what I was originally doing with football, but I'm in the offseason now. The Super Bowl is over, and so this is what we get, uh, or this is what you get, so let me know what you think. Um, leave, leave comments, subscribe on iTunes or here at Anchor Radio. And again, thank you.